We are joined on the line by Catherine Garcia, the interim chair and CEO of the New York City Housing Authority. Chair Garcia, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Good to talk with you. How are you? I'm doing well, except I think we're getting another tornado or something. Yes, yeah, exactly. Other than the uh, impending tornado, uh, things are going things are going well. So um, you've been interim chair and CEO of NYCHA for a couple months now. Um, give us sort of your general overview of what you've come in and you know tried to assess and tried to just wrap your your arms around what you're dealing with. Certainly. So obviously, NYCHA is a huge organization, and in many ways, you should think of as a small city the size of Miami. Um, And one of the things I really wanted to help put in place while I was here is sort of the onboarding of the federal monitor, because I started a few weeks after the agreement was signed, uh, to make sure that we were setting up systems to ensure that we can come into compliance uh, and have a successful monitorship. And, you know, really also looking around, what can we do uh, to impact the lives of residents as quickly as possible and long-term make sure that that's happening? And so how's that gone so far? I mean, I think uh, specifically in terms of the onboarding of the federal monitor, how has that looked? How is it going? Um, what's your sort of early assessment of how that's going to work, how's it, how it's going to coincide between yourself and the monitor and sort of all the day-to-day things you need to do, and then also the big-picture planning. Certainly. So, I mean, from, from a big-picture planning on, on the issues of compliance, I mean, part of it was working in consultation with the monitor around setting up the three departments, compliance, environmental health and safety, and quality assurance, um, but also making sure that we were hitting sort of the steps along the way for paint stabilization for children under six from the visuals last year, um, in continuing to try and move us down the road of coming into compliance and then eventually hopefully getting off of having a monitor, which is always the goal that we can, uh, we have training wheels now, but that we then eventually can walk on our own. Um, But there's also sort of in a longer term vision of this, really thinking about how do we drive investment into these buildings? Because they are assets of the city of New York and critical homes for all of the residents. And I've really been thinking a lot about how that, how that can occur and whether or not uh, that's using the Obama-era RAD program or what we call Build to Preserve and trying to figure out how to make that really move forward in a way that uh, ensures that residents are seeing impact as quickly as possible. Speaking of the long term, when you size up the challenges facing the authority that you're you're leading now uh, on an interim basis, the lack of new federal funding uh, in the deal between the the city and the U.S. Attorney and HUD uh, is kind of striking to many of us. What kind of a challenge uh, does that pose? Is that do you think a permanent feature of the landscape? So I actually really look at this moment where I see a lot of advocates and residents and the federal government, the state government, really coming together to say, what can we do to help? And so while the federal government has not put additional resources in at this time, I remain hopeful. Um, The state looks to be putting in some substantial funding uh, in the next few months to do elevator work and additional boiler work. Uh, But one of the reasons we're looking 
to these programs that convert from traditional public housing funding to Section 8 is that it has been historically uh, more fully funded than traditional public housing money. And we really need to make sure that they have a stable income stream, not just now for the immediate critical issues, but going on into the future so that in 10 or 15 years we're not in a similar situation. We want to make sure we're stabilizing for the residents who currently live here, but also making sure that it's a valuable asset for low-income people in the future. On the on the expansion of the RAD program, let's stick with that for a moment before we get to the uh, the what, build to preserve. We definitely want to talk about that, which is the the new building on NYCHA land to bring in revenue and also create new housing and new affordable housing. Um, but on the expansion of the RAD program, on one hand, uh, you see a lot of reports and testimonials that the the new private management and investments that come in through the RAD program are very pleasing to the tenants. Um, But then you also seem to have from the outside a lot of people raising flags about this being, um, and especially in combination with the the bill to preserve the sort of infill development, that the RAD program is a move towards privatization. Um, And how do you respond to that? I mean, do you acknowledge that uh, or or do you think that that's a, a false flag? Right. I think that it, it is a it is a public private partnership. We are leveraging the private sector equity markets in order to bring additional funding into NYCHA. So I think that what you see is we have taken real care to make sure that NYCHA is still the owner of the land and a development partner in the deal and to make sure that we have control uh, going forward and that we can be protective of our residents no matter what. Um, And we work very closely with the advocates around how to set up tenant protections and went much further than what was in the statute to make sure that they were protected and that their experience was almost exactly the same, except that they got, you know, new appliances and better apartments. You mentioned everyone kind of pitching in a moment ago, and I'm curious, you referenced state money. It's my understanding that some $450 million of previously appropriated state money has still not been released tonight. It sounded like you were saying some was about to be released. Can you talk about the status of that money? We've had extremely productive conversations with the state, um, and we think we're very close to having uh, that funding get released. Uh, There's some things that are just we need to make sure we filled out this form or that form in order for it to happen, but um, it's been very productive. I would anticipate that funding, the $450 million being released very shortly. And is that being released to, to you? Is that being released to the federal monitor? You know, how does that, how does that work? Well, it's being released, actually, I think, through the state dormitory authority, um, but it would be put into for NYCHA for these projects that we have identified with the state. Um, Obviously, the monitor has oversight of everything that we're doing and access into all of our systems. Uh, And so they clearly have a role to play. Um, We have projects that we have to work on in coordination with them because where we've identified we wanted the state funding are clearly areas in the agreement that the monitor has oversight in terms of elevators and boilers and heating systems. That's pretty spelled out in the agreement. We're speaking with Catherine Garcia, the interim CEO of and chair of NYCHA, and you're listening to Max and Murphy on 99.5 FM. If you want to call in, ask a question, number here is 212-209-2877. Just to stay on state funding for a second, there's a proposal to um, roll back the 
uh, tax breaks for luxury real estate owners, um, co- condo and, and co-op tax abatement, and take the revenue that is saved from that and dedicate it to NYCHA. That's a proposal that I guess is on the table in Albany now. Does NYCHA, does the city have a position on that proposal? I haven't been briefed on the proposal on the condo uh, tax situation as of yet, but we are clearly looking at all options in terms of trying to find stable, long-term funding streams for NYCHA. Um, And that's part of why we're doing much of what uh, we have been up to over the last few months. But I would have to get back to you on the city position because I haven't been briefed on where we are on the condo tax at this point in time. But it's an interesting concept. So you mentioned the monitor a moment ago. I'm curious, you've run a major agency in the city for years, sanitation, and now you're running a different one with this monitor in the mix, someone who has to be brief, someone who has to, I guess, have a role in some decision-making. What's that like in terms of administering an agency with this other person sort of in the mix playing a, a, a different role? Well, I mean, it makes it somewhat more complicated to run an agency with a monitor, but it's not actually the first time that I've had a monitor. DEP had a monitor when I was there as well. So um, it can actually and sometimes be helpful in in terms of having outside eyes take a look and tell you, are you sure you thought that through? Um, But at the end of the day, delivering the services to all of NYCHA's residents is hard. uh, And it's hard whether or not there's a monitor in place or not. And is it has it, we should name I haven't uh, in, in the introduction I didn't name it's Bart Schwartz is the federal monitor that that was named um, and uh, we should you know I want to ask I guess at this point is it mostly been getting him up to speed I mean you mentioned something that you know that it could be helpful in certain situations have you have you found that already or you're sort of saying from previous experience you know it it, it has the potential to be helpful so I know that it has the potential to be helpful we've asked him for some some thoughts and guidance on some issues that he's he's researching and getting back to us. But it's not, um, we don't necessarily control what he's doing day to day. He obviously has a role that he is playing with residents. Um, he has his own advisory committee that he's set up. Uh, and he has meetings with people outside the NYCHA world that I think could be helpful, or but we're not actually always um, fully briefed into. And the mayor and and um, the the monitor and federal authorities are working to find a replacement for you, uh, so that you're no longer interim. And the deadline on that was extended basically until uh, the end of June. Do you have insights into that process, or are you mostly just sort of doing your job while they try to figure that out? I, I am really focused on just doing my day to day job and serving residents here. I'm not really been in the mix on on finding a. A new chair. I gave them some thoughts early on on characteristics, not people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that has really been my only insight into it. And do you think of yourself as a possibility for that role, or do you know that you're you're not? I, I really don't think that I've been on the list for for NYCHA chair. But as like as the mayor knows, I've been willing to do anything I can to serve the city of New York. So talk about the situation that you uh, confronted when you entered your new role. Obviously, there have been stories about lead paint, about mold, about heat and hot water issues. You read them as we all did. When you came into your office as interim chair and CEO, 
Was the situation as bad as you expected? Was it worse? Did you find that there were uh, solutions kind of already in the mix? What did it look like compared to your expectations? So, so when I got in, I, so I have to say that my expectations were pretty dire about what I had read in the paper before I took this role. Um, and some of them have been met in terms of you've got 20 years of disinvestment. I don't know why anyone is surprised that when we didn't put oil in the car for 20 years, it blew up. Um, but there, what I did see when I got here is the beginning pieces of progress in order to create a successful long-term plan for NYCHA to stabilize the authority and, and to move forward, I think, in a really positive way. I and mean, one of the things that NYCHA is now serving at is sort of in many neighborhoods, the only bastion of affordable housing left in some of these neighborhoods. Uh, and if we think it's important as a city to have economic diversity, it's doubly important for us to make a commitment to it. And do you think, just to kind of hit the most important topic perhaps, do you think that Lycha is now on top of the lead paint situation, that it knows where it is, that it is either mitigated or in the process of being mitigated, that people who might have been affected are being tested. Do you feel like we can assure folks that now there is a handle on that? So we are doing an enormous amount around lead paint. We stabilized thousands of of apartments that had presumed or lead-based paint in them with children under six. We still have a lot more to do. But one of the things that's also true is we don't know where all the lead paint is, and that is why we kicked off what is called the XRF initiative, which is basically X-raying the paint and being able to tell whether or not it has any lead. We started that on April 15th uh, and have been beginning to roll through all of the apartments component by component. Uh, and it will take us till the end of 2020 to get that done because we are planning to test 134,000 apartments. Uh, and this allows us to not only deal with whether or not we need to do immediate stabilization of the paint and remediate, and also what our long t- how we're going to long-term abate the paint and get it out of NYCHA. Um, and some of these are going to actually be relatively straightforward fixes, like baseboards are, were painted lead, but nothing else in the apartment. Uh, that's going to be a relatively easy project for us to handle where there will probably be apartments where uh, there was lead paint used on every wall, uh, and those will obviously be much more significant jobs. But our first task will be to ensure that we are making the apartment safe, and then our second job is, like, long-term, making sure that we do the abatement in in an effective way. But getting through X-raying all of this paint is really the critical first step, Um, because as with any other landlord in the city of New York, we have to presume that any paint uh, pre-1960 is, is lead. And with for NYCHA, because we're controlled by federal regulations, anything pre-1978. Uh, so really understanding where the challenge is will allow us to drive our resources for a permanent fix. You know government very well, obviously. Um, coming in to assess the situation with this lead paint um, crisis on your hands do you have an assessment at this point as to you know what were the key factors and what went wrong here in terms of um 
not the city not really having uh, its its correct understanding of the problem, the city not really having the the systems in place that are now being put into place to remediate things. What what went wrong from your assessment? Um, so you know, I obviously wasn't here to assess exactly what all the steps were, and someone would have to talk to the people who were here when when lead came up. But one of the things that I think is true is a, a basic failure to understand what the requirements were um, and how much work it was going to take under HUD regulations and getting systems in place to really ensure that that happened. Uh, I think that you know this is this is an easy place to get trapped in in putting out the fire of the day and not stepping back and saying, are we hitting all the milestones we need to hit uh, to ensure that we are, are coming into compliance and to ensure that we're building um, a future here. And, you know, things happen every day in, in, in NYCHA because it's 400,000 people. So um, so my, my assessment of what went wrong was really not completely understanding what the requirements really were, both from local law as well as from HUD regulation. And and also sort of one of the things that's true about lead-based paint is that it's inherently a maintenance issue. So it's not dangerous if it's not peeling and chipping uh, off the walls. But if you allow things like leaks to happen, if you allow uh, yourself to get off the cycle of repainting apartments consistently, uh, then you have created the crisis. So it's it's two things, I think, really coming together, not fully understanding what you were supposed to be doing, and then also allowing maintenance issues to really um, create more hazards than would have been there if the pain had been stable. What's your approach been to the tenant associations, people who are elected by the residents in each development, and then those presidents elect a citywide council that has a leader? Um, they've been around for, for many decades, playing different roles uh, in the authority. Uh, what's their role been under your interim chairmanship? So, I mean, I, I have met with uh, many of the tenant association presidents and obviously with the citywide council of presidents. Um, you know, we want to make sure that our residents are having a voice. One of the things I've been very focused on here is is really trying to give them uh, a voice in how we're moving forward and, and what our plans are. Uh, so I, I tend to hear from them quite, quite often. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose one of the areas where they'll come into play, although this is obviously on more of a select basis, is the last thing we want to ask you about uh, before we let you go, which is that build to preserve program, which is uh, new development on NYCHA land that will be new housing, some of it affordable uh, to bring in revenue to help fix up the NYCHA developments that are home to that to that new development. Have you... I suppose been surprised that it took the the city this long to push ahead an aggressive program like this, or have you been surprised by um, the initial pushback to NYCHA 2.0, which the mayor announced in December? You know, sort of what's your assessment of the of the build to preserve program? I mean, I think the build to preserve program is another tool in our toolbox uh, to drive funding into. NYCHA's buildings. And it's not going to work everywhere. It's not appropriate everywhere. Uh, But really trying to take a step back and go campus by campus and say, uh, does this make sense? Does this give us enough money? Uh, 
to to really do something different uh, for the residents. And it's it's the, one of the three legs. I mean, the other leg is uh, whether or not it makes sense to sell air rights. Um, and so we are really thinking about it holistically for those campuses. But we want to maximize the money that we can get in order to do what is a pretty massive capital replacement program. Um, and if one of the ways we do that is to uh, build new buildings on campuses, I think that that's very appropriate. But I have to say, I completely understand why NYCHA residents would be anxious mm-hmm. about it, because historically, nationally, people got moved out of their homes. They never came back. We are taking a very different approach here, which is to any time we do this, uh, where we end up taking down a building, and we're at a very early stages in some of these discussions because we want to make sure that the residents are engaged with us and agree with us to a certain extent that we're moving in the right direction to get to, for example, at Fulton, over $160 million in needed replacement or repairs. Uh, and that's that they stay on their campuses. So, for example, a build to preserve project only works if there's a site where we can put a new building and make sure the residents can move into the brand new apartments uh, before we take anything down. We don't want to take down buildings and move people away from mm-hmm. where they live and for their communities. And you understand the, the fear there, but you, you need people to understand that you don't have any other options at this point. No, I don't have any. I, we really don't have a lot of other options in terms of uh, the, just the incredible need. And, and I think that uh, this is a way to take funding or value uh, from the campuses and, and do two things, really make sure that residents do well and also to increase the supply of uh, housing and affordable housing in the city of New York, which, of course, is always in dire need. Well, Catherine Garcia, uh, interim chair and CEO of the New York City Housing Authority, thanks for taking some time with us, and uh, and good luck as long as your leadership of NYCHA continues. Thank you much. Take care. Take care.